Hi, welcome to church today. The message you're about to listen to came from a recent gathering at our church. Be encouraged as you enjoy this message. Oh my God, Father, I am so truly grateful for how real you are to me and how much you long to show yourself alive to each and every one of our people. I mean, it goes without saying, I know. But Father, I want to thank you that indeed everything about you brings increase. And I thank you, Father, that that is so here. There is a spirit of increase upon this church. The devil is a liar. And I thank you, Father, in the name of Jesus for what you're doing, for the depth of consecration and grace that you're imparting to every one of our people, for the change that is occurring even now in the hearts of people. They don't even see it yet, some, but some are already aware of the change that is taking place. They're simply thinking different. They're living different. Their life is becoming better day by day, step by step, only because of your grace and your incredible great, great love. And Father, this continues to be my heart and our heart, this pursuit of your excellence and to create a space for your presence to be seen and felt and understood more and more and more. Holy Spirit, we do say again from the gut, you are welcome here. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here to manifest yourself in any given way you desire. We acknowledge you. You are the teacher. You're the pastor. With Jesus, you are the strength. You're our intercessor, our advocate. You're our comforter, and you are our counselor. And I sincerely acknowledge you as just that. And I say again, you are so free to manifest yourself here through words of knowledge, words of wisdom, healing, deliverance, prophecy, whatever it may be. I so want you to be in charge. And we are going to make that be the truth here because we're simply going to be obedient to your grace. We're going to be quickened to be prompted by your spirit. And to simply hear, we make the choice that we will have ears to hear. We will hear the voice of the Good Shepherd. We will hear the voice of the Good Shepherd. We will not entertain the voice of anything that's strange, anything that comes against or goes against the way of your word, your truth. We choose to throw up a highway by our faith and our obedience so that you might come swimming down into our midst. Hallelujah. So I give you praise today, Father. I truly give you praise. Even this morning, I, I sense that simple word. I, I, he just said, I am inhabiting this praise. I mean, just as they were singing the second song, I did just a simple thing, but it just came up. I just felt the Lord say, I am inhabiting this right now. And Father, we're going to let that be more and more real, alive to us. It's not just a nice scripture to quote. It's what you like to do. It's what you do when we 
from our heart actually praise you, you immediately draw stronger. You immediately, well, you begin to manifest more of yourself. And it's so true, without you, we are one billion percent lost. I mean, there's just no life without you, nothing. We are a changed people. I'm blessed. I love you, Lord. Amen. Um, as I just said, about, you know, it is the presence of God that, you know, that God is in us. It sounds like it's almost a contradictory statement in some ways because it's like this truth you have to begin to understand about the Holy Spirit. I mentioned, I think, two weeks ago, you know, just because you speak in tongues doesn't mean you're filled with the Spirit. It's the first evidence, but if Paul had to be filled again and again and again, in other words, what it, what, what it teaches is that there's always more. You have to actually grasp this. There's always more. God is never stagnant. There's always more, but you have to want it. You really do have to want it. I mean, it's, that's why the Bible says you, it's a strong, strong word. You know, First Corinthians 14, it says to covet. We're, we're to covet the gifts of the Spirit. Amplified simply says earnestly desire. You see, he knows when we're in earnest as opposed to just quoting like a verse or something. And like I say, God wants us to go so beyond mere information. And what sometimes has happened throughout church history is people have become satisfied with just having biblical information. They could tell you where a verse is, tell you what a verse says. And other people would say, wow, you sure know a lot of Bible. But again, remember, it's not knowing the Bible per se in and of itself. It's knowing God. And it's doing everything you can to yield to the atmosphere that allows God's presence to be made manifest. He's here because there's more than two of us gathered together in his name. Because Jesus is not a liar, he is here in our midst. But the manifestation of his presence is something else. You see, proximity isn't, nev isn't necessarily manifestation. Do you understand what I'm saying? So this is what, I mean, I, I'm long, I am every day, I have never been stronger about this in my life. It's just something I'm breathing in every day and every night about this issue. We are going to do everything we can. We're going to see the mighty hand of God in our midst. Because I, I know I say it all the time, and I know you may think I'm just being repetitive, but I'm telling you, see, God wants to be glorified. I said, see, God needs to be glorified. And again, that means when you read it, it says, and the, you know, so-and-so was healed and the people recognized God. It said they glorified him. It said they recognized God. And see, that's what this is all about to me. I want desperately for people to recognize God, to see something or cognitively recognize where they cognitively, they go, that has to be God. Because no man or woman could do that or have that wisdom or carry that authority. This has to be otherworldly. And see, that's what 
Each and every one of us who are born from above, actually, we do carry that in each of us now. We really do. Otherwise, the scripture would be a lie. It says that we are filled with the fullness of the Godhead bodily. I and you, you and me, that we, we might be one. All these magnificent things. So, you know, this is why we have to continue to earnestly pray, Father, open the eyes of our understanding so that this might go from teaching, that this might go from knowing a verse to the actual manifestation of the truth and the power within this verse, this truth. So that's what we're after. And so, I mean, any, so I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to read a verse. I'm going to talk about forgiveness today. And you say, what's that got to do? Well, I was, when I was, I was praying, doing my morning thing on Thursday, just, just Lord just said, instant, he said, if you want, he said, do you brush your teeth every day? I said, yeah, sometimes, maybe once a month. No, I'm <laughs> hopefully all of you brush your teeth a few times a day, right? Anybody here? I'll tell you what, let's have a test. Uh, I'll have uh, David come up and he'll smell everybody's breath. And we'll find out who, who brushed their teeth, all right? But, you know, hopefully you brush your teeth every day because it's just something. That's what you do. That's, you know, it's what you do. Well, if we're sincere about the manifestation of God and creating space for him, well, you know, he said, when you do my will, we will come and make our home with you. We're going to, his, his desire is to abide with us, not visit. But anyhow, he said, I want you to teach on forgiveness before you go any further, because he said that is simply brushing your teeth. You have to revisit and revisit and revisit and revisit this issue because he simply, the, the scriptures are too full. You can teach on forgiveness for six months. There's so much scripture that illustrates its power. But the point is to really nurture the presence of God, which is our desire, we simply have to keep our spirits clean, particularly in this area. So I'm going to read one verse in Psalm 85, and then I'm going to go through some of the basic verses of, of forgiveness. In Psalm 85, the Amplified Bible, starting with verse 8, if you want to get it up there, whoever's doing the stuff back there. Is it favored Brown? Are you doing it? Yes, she is. She's back there. Psalm 85, 8. I'll wait till she gets it up. It says, I will listen with expectancy. That's something we harp on a lot here, too. You've got to have expectancy in your spirit. I will listen with expectancy to what God the Lord will say. For he will speak peace to his people, to his saints, those who are in right standing with him. But let them not turn again to self-confident folly. And part of folly is thinking unforgiveness doesn't affect you. Verse 9, surely his salvation is near to those who reverently and worshipfully fear him and is ready to be appropriated. Why? That the manifest presence of God, his glory, might tabernacle and abide in CCF. All right? Do you hear what he said? Yeah. See, his salvation is right here. Deliverance, safety, healing. It's all right here, right now. But for it to manifest, 
You have to have this old-fashioned fear of the Lord. Surely the salvation is near to those who reverently worship and fear. There must be the reverence for the things of God. There's, there's no shortcut. And see, but day by day, I at least know it's happening in me, and Julie knows it's happening in her. The fear of the Lord is increasing. And again, if there's anybody new to this, remember that the word fear doesn't mean be afraid of. It means to reverence. It means to respect. It means to honor. The more we, and you know, the way we show the fear of the Lord is through our daily decisions. And I tell you what, with me, it starts with my hourly decisions or even less time, if you know what I mean. You just keep this, this awareness. But nevertheless, he said here, he said that we need to learn how to listen with expectancy to what God the Lord will say in verse 8. And when I read that, I just actually read that verse this morning when I was just doing some devotions after I was praying for this service. But he said, I, I want you to remind the people to really be listening to their spirit, to know when they step out of love, to really recognize when they move away from light. So I'm going to go through a few verses today that are some of my love walk teaching, what have you. But anyhow, so let me get to these other verses now. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 6, verse 12 through 15. I've actually printed them out on some of my notes, so I'm going to read them from here first. Hallelujah. Matthew 6, 12 through 15. Jesus is speaking. He said, this is in the middle of that prayer. And he said, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven, left, remitted, let go of the debts and have given up resentment against any debtor. And lead and bring us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. 4, verse 14. If you forgive people their trespasses, and I like this phrase in the Amplified, their reckless and willful sins, if you'll let them go, if you leave them, if you will give up resentment, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But verse 5 is there too. Verse 15, rather. If we do not forgive others their trespasses. I mean, do you know anybody that's ever sinned against you? Of course not. Willful sin. People that willfully hurt you. If we don't understand that we're called to walk in obedience and, and imitation of God Almighty, according to Ephesians 5.1, he says, if we do not forgive others their trespasses, their reckless and willful sins, if we don't know how to leave it, how to let it go, and how, I mean, for real, give up any resentment, he said, neither will your father be able to forgive you your trespasses. Now, you can't fudge around with that. That's the word of Jesus Christ. It's truth. I said it's truth. It's precise. It's absolute. In Matthew 18, jump real quick because I want to read a bunch of these quick so I can get something. Matthew 18, verses 21 through 35, a lot of scripture. Matthew 18, 21 through 35. Then Peter came up to Jesus, came up to him and said, Lord, this is funny, huh? How many times may my brother sin against me and I forgive him and let it go? As many as up to seven times. In other words, Peter probably thought I'm being cool because I said, you know, I, can, I, I guess I can forgive up to seven times. I know we all know this verse, but Jesus answered and said, Pete, baby, no, not seven times, but 70 times seven. 
In other words, he said, you need to go way beyond thinking forgiving somebody seven times is adequate. He said, you need to be thinking seven times 70, like 490 times in one day, if need be. Now, see, don't just say you heard the verse. Do you think he actually means this? Why is there so much? Like I said, literally, you can teach for a six-month course on forgiveness. This is a serious life and death issue. It is not to be just winked at, or or, or just we we met. We, it's got to be beyond our just nodding in agreement to it. Verse twenty-three. Therefore, he says, the kingdom of heaven, which is what we want in our midst. You do know that will answer everything. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a human king who wished to settle accounts with his attendants. When he began the accounting, one was brought to him who owed 10,000 talents, probably about $10 million. And because he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and his children and everything that he possessed and payment to be made. So the attendant fell on his knees begging him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And his master's heart was moved with compassion and he released him and forgave him, canceling the debt. But that same attendant, as he went out, found one of his fellow attendants who owed him a hundred denarii, about $20. And he caught him by the throat and said, pay what you owe. So his fellow attendant fell down, begged him earnestly, give me time and I will pay you all. But he was unwilling, and he went out and had him put in prison till he should pay the debt. When his fellow attendants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed, and they went and they told everything that had taken place to their master. Then his master called him and said to him, You contemptible and wicked attendant, I forgave and canceled all that great debt of yours because you begged me to. And should you not have had pity and mercy on your fellow attendant as I had pity and mercy on you? And in his wrath, his master turned him over to the torturers, the jailers, till he should pay all that he owed. So also my heavenly father will deal with every one of you if you do not freely. Everybody say freely. And I always ask, what's free mean? What's free mean? No charge. You seek no payment. You don't forgive because somebody meets a condition. See, but it's all, well, how much of God do you really want in your house? Freely forgive. If you don't freely forgive. So it says, my heavenly father will deal with every one of you. Do not freely forgive your brother from your heart, his offenses. You see, unforgiveness brings you near to the torturer. Do you hear me? Unforgiveness brings you near to the torturer. Hopefully you don't want that. Of course, we know Mark 11, verse 25 and 26. Like I said, I'm just going to move through these quickly. And whenever you stand praying, this again is Jesus. Whenever, whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone forgive him let it drop leave it let it go in order that your father who is in heaven may also forgive you your own failings 
and shortcomings and let them drop. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your failings and shortcomings. I know that we all know these verses, but you, you know, each of them can be, like I said, ministered from and for a long while. But of course, here's something about prayer. Don't attempt to think your prayer life is going to produce much if you carry unforgiveness, ill will, resentment, strife in your spirit. See, it's and it's abs- it's anti-typical. It's totally against the pattern of heaven. Heaven can't entertain words that come from other than a pure heart. Now, I have to be careful of that because God is so gracious. He, he hears us while we are sinners enough to get saved. But the point is here, once you begin to grow in faith and grow in the understanding of what Christianity is really all about, it's one of the cardinal rules. I mean, the message of God is that he is light and he is love. And I mean, light is what we have to carry. Light and love are synonymous. I said, and you, you, it's something you just have to understand. You see, we, it's funny enough this morning, I'm, uh, I'm, um, on my phone, they turn it on and, you know, automatically an email coming in. It was one of those little uh, weekly things from Chris Valentin. And he was talking about it. He said, one of the problems that we have is that we think darkness has more power than light. And he said, people actually think the darkness, they live from a platform. They live from a perspective that darkness is chasing them and they're always running from something towards God. And he said, actually, you've got to understand, you've got to really have a change in your thinking because it's light that's chasing down darkness. And see, but you're the light of the world. See, our, we need to have that sense where my, wherever I go, darkness moves away because of God that's in me. The light that's in me disturbs the darkness. Really does. I mean, I've had it happen in my own life with people where they just, they just got bugged when I was near them. And I mean, I'm not, and not that I'm super holy, but they just, they couldn't be themselves. They couldn't cuss. They couldn't tell the dirty jokes or whatever because they knew I carried something else and they, they were embarrassed in my presence because they knew I was a Christian. You know, and it's just something that you need to say, well, thank God for that. I want my light to shine. I didn't even have to open my mouth. They just knew. I mean, they knew I was a Christian. That's why. So I'm not trying to sound like I'm some super spiritual guy. But nevertheless, again, he says you have to let it drop. If you only knew, and, uh, and like I said, when I was praying about this on Thursday, I just kept, he, he said, if my people truly understood how dangerous it is to allow resentment of any kind to stay in their hearts. Resentment comes to all of us, man. I mean, people hurt us. Let's face it. The world will hurt you. People will hurt you. People that are close to you that don't mean it at all. But words hurt. Things hurt. And But nevertheless, it's still our choice. Do you receive the pain? Are you going to receive the offense? Because we're all tempted to, because we were trained very highly for a long time to receive the offense, and in some cases to do something about it, right? Some of us guys in ignorant ways. But this is one of the number one issues. In fact, I was reading in a commentary I went to this morning, and it said to walk in this level of love where you keep yourself absolutely free from unforgiveness, he's, I never heard this phrase. It is, he says it is the badge of discipleship. 
It's the badge that you carry that shows you're a true disciple of Christ. When you just make, you just say, no, I am not going to hold on to resentment. I mean, people irritate you. People irritate me. But that's where you have to, you have to just grab it. You have to make a decision. I have simply, even in the last few months, I mean, God has got his hand on me strong right now. And what I mean by that, like the glorious pressure of God, not a bad thing, but I mean, he's just on me about this. And I, I am determined. I'm telling you before God Almighty and before you as my brothers and sisters, I am determined that my mouth is going to stay in covenant with God. I am determined to speak good, to speak blessing. I mean, Julie and I are practicing this at our house over and over again. And I've had to wait because, you know, part of my humor, this humor thing that I've always had, like I said, I've never tried to be funny. I've never intentionally tried to be humorous. It's just something that's in my DNA. Every, you know, I remember my mother telling me once that on the German side of our family, these farmers way back when, whatever, he said, the, the Olinger family, O-L-I-N-G-E-R, that came from, I forget what part of Germany, way back when, a couple, you know, like three, four generations ago. She said, but the history of that side of the family is the, how they were all very funny, or they were all very humorous people, full of jo- joviality, da-da-da-da, this is all through, so whatever, it's in there. But it can't be an excuse, but the point is, and even I think my life when I was in prison and spent those years in prison, in prison, you, it's called playing in the dozens. It's a, it's a prison term, the dozens. And what it means is just being sarcastic with each other, just ripping each other up, you know, seeing who can cap on someone else the most, you know, and comebacks, you know what I mean? You know, oh, yeah, dude, you're so ugly. You know, oh, yeah, well, you're the, you know, back and forth. And it becomes an art form. <laughs> oh, well. But anyhow, like I said, the perversion of the, of the life outside of Christ. But the point is, so sarcasm is just something that just becomes part of your daily, that's, that's just what, it, you live from a play. I mean, it's, and it's not that you mean it bad, but I've always had a lot of, quote, unquote, I, try, I would like to term it friendly sarcasm. I mean, like with the guys in the church, like even David, messing with David just a minute ago, or like the guys back there, Victor, Deji, Jeff, De, all of them, you know, I'll, I'll say stuff and I'll cut up with them, and it's actually sarcasm, but it's, it's friendly sarcasm, but you've got to really weigh things because, you know, words, like it says, go to, that words can become wounds that go down into the innermost part of the belly. And so I've had to really catch myself about my own sarcasm, even though it's, you know, I, there's nothing in me, honestly, I can say with hand on heart, there's nothing in me that has the intent to ever hurt anybody, particularly with words. That's not who I am. It's just simply not who I am. I'm not both. It's just not, I don't have that in me. But, you know, this stuff that, this humor in me that has been trained for years way back when to come out sometimes in sarcasm, I've had to, I have to catch myself. Because indeed, way back, and I hadn't it for a long time, but I mean, you know, things would come out, and I, it's the most hor- horrible thing when you say something and you find out, like the next day, that it really hurt somebody when it was the furthest thing from your desire to do. And you know, I had to learn to come right up quickly and just say, I mean, apologize, apologize quick to them because that's the last thing in my heart. So all I'm trying to say is, in all of these areas, I know that people hurt you. 
But never think you haven't hurt others because all of us carry that stuff in us. We're human. We're still human. You're not totally divine yet because you haven't yielded all of you to all of God yet. None of us have. But I'm determined to get better day by day. I really, I mean, I really am. And so I, I know that things are said to you that they want to irritate you right now, but I'm telling you, this is an exercise. You've got to enter in joyfully into this exercise because of the muscle it will produce, the muscle of faith and the environment for the presence of God. I hope you're hearing me. Because we want to go, I want us to go everywhere God wants us to be. And like I said, he said, I, I, you know, I had no idea I was going to, you know, forgiveness, everybody's heard a thousand messages. But he said, no, no, on Thursday, he said, no, I want you to, he said, before you go any further, he said, brush your teeth. He said, have, tell everybody in here, you know, it, we, we're going to go over this often because there's nobody, that world's full of darkness. You're around people. I said, you're around people. And when you're around people, there'll be the opportunity to be offended. And every one of us can take that offense and put it in our heart. And you have, and I'm just trying to say, please, please look in the scripture, study it for yourself, but find out how dangerous it is. Why? Why on earth would we want to let anything linger in us that would cause separation? Strife, ill will, resentment, it all creates distance before the Lord. Do you hear me? It absolutely creates distance. It doesn't bring nearness. So you have to be transparent with him enough to not be embarrassed in front of others. If you've said something stupid, you know, like I've always said, I'd rather be embarrassed in front of you than in front of God. Just, you know, I shouldn't have said that. I'm sorry. I'm just saying, keep yourself spiritually fit. Watch this area. Don't take offenses so easy. Why are some people, it amazes me how easily there are people who get offended so easily. Stuff irritates them so, I mean, the tiniest. The Lord, I looked up the word petty because I kept sharing there. He said, some people, he said, things are so petty. And yet people respond to them with angst, with like, I'm upset. Why did you say that? Why did you, I mean, and whatever happened to 1 Corinthians 13? What does believe the best actually mean? What does it mean to take no account of an evil done to you? What if it actually wasn't evil? Well, so what if it actually wasn't evil? He still said, take no account of it. Now, who do I want to follow? See, do I want to follow him or do I want to follow my flesh? I didn't say sometimes I don't want to raise. Are you kidding me? My mouth is big. And I tell you, sometimes, you know, ask Julie. <laughs> you know, my mouth has got out of control many times in the past, you know. I mean, you know, talk about the roar of a lion. I'm Sadly, I'm thinking about Hampstead when... A guy parked and uh, got angry at me when Julie and I were just, were we married yet? Or we were, no, we weren't married yet. Right there on Church Row, because she lived at number 29. I lived at number nine Church Row when we were both at Hampstead Bible School. And she was leading prayer and I was the director of the school. And this guy, you know, I don't, my, my switch doesn't get pushed that easy. But it was really dangerous when it used to get pushed. 
And you know, I'm supposed to be a Christian. I'm the principal of the Bible school. <laughs> and this guy, man, just starts man around and just because my car was parked absolutely legally, perfectly, but he was up. I don't even remember what he was upset about. I was he couldn't get to his car as easy to one or two. But Hampstead Church Row, you have Church Row. I mean, the parking spaces were that big where they are, and you know, even it's anyhow. This guy started yelling at me and just I don't know, what the hell are you doing? And I said, sir, I said, I'm sorry, whatever I'll do. And he just kept going around. And I'm, I don't forget how far, we were probably 60 yards from that guy because, you know, we're he was way down there. He's yelling at me, making all this noise all the way from back there. And I'm being calm, so I don't know, but he just went one step too far. And I mean, it came out of me, it erupted like Vesuvius. I mean, you and I started, and I was marching at him, man. And I mean, I'm moving quick. You may think I can't move quick, but I was moving quick, and I was after him. I'm, I'm going. I'm going. You know, I used to, I think I've told you, but I used to hate bullies. The first time I went to prison because it was, never mind, I took care of a bully. I hated bullies. I hated people that bullied. I mean, I hated people that bullies. And this guy was just like, you know, he thought it was whatever. And so, I, you know, by the, I was halfway to him, and I'd already seen three or four bones I was going to break. I knew I could break this. I could break that. I'm serious, man. I'm going to break this. I'm going to break that. I'm going to hurt this punk. And I'm on my way marching to him. And I, turn, I don't remember if I turned around, but Julie's behind me back there, this girl that I'm in love with. And I'm the principal of the Bible school. And she leads prayer to the Holy God. And here, and here, and here I am. I'm on the way to, I'm on a, Anyhow, but anyhow, fortunately, he responded correctly in that he freaked out and got scared, jumped in his car, I think, and drove off. So I remember, or else he ran around the side. What a wonderful thing. And I saw him, <laughs> I'm spiritual again. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, there's none of us that haven't had something stuff. I mean, none of us are super holy yet. You know what I mean? Even Matt, I'm looking there, wonderful Matt with his arm crossed, big old giant dude, man. He'd probably break me in half with the, the little finger. But the dude, you know, he's so calm, so sweet. But I believe even Matt at some point or other has been angry. I know Kevin has. Because I know that laying in magic. No, but anyhow, but see why, see, the more you begin to get before the Lord and the more you're faithful to stay in this word, I'm trying to tell you simply this, you really, you come to the revelation, it's simply not worth it. I mean, I know too much of the word. Like I said, you know, the first three and a half years of this church way back when people were here from the beginning, like Bobby will tell you, I mean, you know, we... All I did was teach the love of God. All I did was teach what I call the love walk, this thing that I taught all my life because I'm the one that needed it the most. But the point is, I know how, I mean, we're going to go to some of the scriptures in First John again and just thought we look at it. But I mean, if you really understood, you, you just wouldn't, you wouldn't go there. Do not let petty little stuff steal your joy. You just it's silliness. Don't. It actually shows. I was reading uh, Matthew Henry's commentary about it this morning. 
And uh, it, he, I forget exactly the word I was going to, but like I said, I knew it. So I'm already messed up now because of whatever. But I mean, he was talking about how it shows the absolute inadequacy of our Christian profession when we allow ourselves to be easily irritated and we leave the fact that God so loved the world. God who, well, there's a verse here a little bit. Well, let me just keep reading because I think I just get to them. Now, Luke 6, turn to Luke 6, verse 35 through 37. Now, I know Jesus didn't really mean this. Look at, what's it say? What's the first few words? But love your enemy. Really? Do you really mean, do you actually, did you actually write that? Huh? You can't mean what I think you mean. Can you? But love your enemies. Be kind. <laughs> Do good to them. Doing favors so that someone derives benefit from them and lend. I don't want to give no money to an enemy. I mean, you know, figure out for yourself. Lend, expecting, hoping for nothing in return, but considering Nothing has lost. Look at the spirit of what Christ brought. See, and we carry him in us, and we're supposed to be reflecting him. And then it says, but considering nothing is lost and despairing of no one, and then your recompense, see, there's a reward, will be great, rich, strong, intense, and abundant. And look at this statement, and you will be sons of the Most High. Did you actually hear that? He's saying, you see, he loved the enemy. Enemies of all righteousness. They were wicked. The world is wicked, was wicked, wicked, wicked. But God didn't love them. He so loved them. And somehow, see, this is, this is the test, one of the tests of whether or not we can carry this quote-unquote badge of discipleship. See, I, I, it's very easy for me to love Julie because I'm in love with her. But I mean, I just love her. I just do. And without sounding corny, I mean, I, I love you. It's easy for me to love you. I love Abby. I do. I love even Sheila and Mike. I mean, strange. I, but I love, I love David. Denise, I pray about. But I love David. <laughs> See, there's, there's the sarcasm. I got to watch you. No. And Angela, she just keeps shaking her head. But, but um, you see, you, the only place Christianity can be proven is when you're around people that don't show love, that may be angry, that are just that are unkind to you. That's that's the only place you get to show love. You know what the word says. If you show only show love and are kind to those who love you back, what reward is there? But if you show love to those who aren't deserving of it, he said, that's when God sees it. That's when, see, that's when we really find out who we serve. So, again, First Peter, whatever, you know, don't think it's strange about the fiery trials that come to try your faith as though something foreign to your vocation. It's part of this journey. 
I, you, you don't necessarily expect everybody in the world to be super kind. If you do, you're kind of foolish. But see, that's where we prove our mettle. We watched a little bit of, funny enough, you mentioned about watching that Gloria Copeland thing last week. Last night, we just watched a little bit of a Kenneth Copeland thing, just because we're going, we go back and forth between different ministries. And uh, he spoke about how steel, you know, steel, the substance of steel, how it's incredibly brittle when it's first steel. But what it has to be is something called tempered. And the way steel is tempered, is anybody that works with has ever worked with stuff like that? But when I lived in the country, like I said, I had a my, well, my dad was really good at it too. But an uncle of mine was incredibly good. He was an old blacksmith, but I, and so he he showed me. I mean, these oils and stuff like this. And when Copeland said it, it brought all back to my memory that you know these guys have to know exactly. They have to dip the steel in oil while it's red hot, but they have to know. They have they have to. The good ones, they have a sensitivity to it. They know, okay, the steel, okay, it's hot. It's where it's supposed to be. And they know how to dip it. And they learn to watch the color of what happens when it touches the oil. And then as they keep it in there, and they know they can't leave it in that too long. They have to keep it out. But there's so much symbolism there, the oil of the Holy Spirit. See, we're all steel. But steel alone, when it's primary, primary substance is very brittle, it has to be tempered. So that, it'll be, so that it actually inhabits the strength that real steel is supposed to have. And see, this is what happens with all of us. Like I said, we get in these situations that where I'm telling you, things can get hot. <laughs> but that's when you go to the oil. You go to the Holy Ghost. And you get, and this, you know, patience, that stuff that we all love so much. You just, okay, I'm simply... I'm determined I'm not going to react. And, he, and it doesn't mean, like I said, it's his prayer, but I, because often, many times, I would start to react, but then I just mm, dial it back down, repent for my momentary reaction. And you've heard me teach before, there's all the difference in the world between reaction and response. To react to a situation, psychologists say, is a sign of being out of control to a lesser or to a greater degree when you live from a reactionary platform. But response means you think something through, you wait a moment before you speak, before you act. We respond. And as believers, we're called to respond, not to react. Okay? Anybody still here? Yes. This is more important than you think. Uh, we want the man, I want healing to be an every Sunday thing in church. For that matter, I want it to be an everyday thing in your life. Amen. Wherever you go, this is, you know, your shadow, Peter's shadow had no substance. Healing wasn't in his shadow. Healing was in the proximity of the anointing he carried. And see, but that anointing is in every one of you. But again, as we know this, then you begin to walk in the awareness of this, and that's when, again, manifestation can begin to happen because really what you're doing is referencing God on you, referencing God in you. The more you reverence God, Think about that verse back in Psalm 85. Salvation is absolutely near you. It's right here, right now. Deliverance from anything and everything you live in, it's right here now. But the issue is where you reverence it so that his presence might manifest. Can you, can you see that? See, that's like a pattern. You've heard me always quote Ed Cole. Everything God does is does according to a pattern and based upon a principle. Well, that's a pattern here. Okay, so love your enemies. 
And it's verse 36, Luke 6, 36. So be merciful. This is all of your assignment. So be merciful, kind, charitable, and good to the who? What's it say? Oops, sorry. Verse 36. Sorry, he had gone far enough. Or whatever, I'll just read it from there. It says, so be merciful, sympathetic. See, there's Amplified Bible, and there's the classic Amplified Bible, and evidently they're not on that one, or we may not even have that. But anyway, you will be sent for he is kind, charitable. This is God is saying, but this is who we get to be. He's kind, charitable, good to the ungrateful, good to the selfish, and to the wicked. See, it's not being good to me. It's not being good to these beautiful people in here that are brothers and sisters. That's fine. We need to be good to one another. We need to love the brethren, to say the least. But it says here that God, in other words, see, see, even that stuff, God is merciful. God is sympathetic. God is tender. God is responsive. God is compassionate to the ungrateful, to the selfish, and to the wicked. Hallelujah. So you better thank God for that because that was you. Do you hear me? That was you. That's how he thinks about us right now. I mean, it's incredible. Anyhow, and then he says, uh, verse 37, judge not, don't pronounce judgment, nor subject to censure, and you will not be judged, do not condemn and pronounce guilty. You'll not be condemned and pronounced guilty. Acquit, forgive, release, give up resentment, let it drop, and you will be acquitted, forgiven, and released. Hallelujah. Colossians 3, verses 13 through 14. You guys are awful quiet this morning. That's okay. I love you anyhow. Colossians 3, verse 13 and 14. Be gentle. You hear that, Kevin? Be gentle. Dom, be gentle. Latoria, be gentle. Hallelujah. Be gentle and forbearing with one another. And if one has a difference, and I know that there's nobody in this church that ever had a difference or anybody else here, but it says, and if one has a difference, a grievance or complaint against another, readily pardoning each other, even as the Lord has freely forgiven you, he is freely no charge. You don't have to do something first. Um, it's free. I forgive. That's what God did. That's still what blows my mind. Knows every stupid thing about Rod Anderson. Knows everything he ever did. But because of this dispensation that we're blessed to live in called grace, he said, no charge. Just believe in my son. You're forgiven. But, 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 no, you're, it's free. And see, I kept trying to pay for years. You can't pay for what's free. All you can do is reject it or receive it. I would suggest you receive it. But he said, we're to do this for each other. See, when, when um, Angela hurts me deeply, as she has sometimes in the past, she's, you know, she's been so horrible to me, I've had to pardon her quickly because the Lord freely forgave me. So, you know, it's just something you learn to do. You just say, ah, it's okay. And then verse 14, it says, above all these things, put on love and enfold yourself. Listen to this in the Amphorite. 
and enfold yourself with the bond of perfectness. It actually says perfection. Love is the bond of perfection. And above all these things, put on love and unfold yourself with the bond of perfection, which binds everything together completely in ideal harmony. Like I said, now that's one of the verses in the love walk that we take a whole 45 minutes to an hour to teach on. This stuff, this substance called the love of God, which is in you, because Romans says the love, of, if you're born again, God's love has been shed abroad in your heart, right? It's there. You just have to access it. But it's theirs. It's, you see, you can, that means you can do this. Hallelujah. I said you can do this stuff. Didn't say it's not difficult at times. But the issue is you're faced with a choice. Do I want, do you want your life to be better? Everybody does. It's, I said that to me. It's, it's the DNA that goes, everybody. God put this in every human being, this inner desire for things to be better. Inner desire, things can be better than this. Things can be better than this. But see, that if, if you want them to get better, then like I said, you simply learn to make the choice. This one thing I know, if I hold on to this, if I get angry, if I stay angry. See, it's not a problem. Like it says, be angry and sin not. You can get angry, just don't stay angry. But just don't. You, why do you want to create distance between yourself and what heaven can provide. It's the bond of perfection which binds everything together in ideal harmony. Hallelujah. Well, again, let me just read Ephesians 4.30 really quickly, or 31. Ephesians 4.31. It says, let all, everybody say all for me. Let all bitterness and indignation, wrath, passion, rage, bad temper, Resentment, anger, animosity, quarreling, brawling, clamor, contention, slander, evil speaking, abusive or blasphemous language be banished from you. See, I have to banish that. Be gone from me in the name of Jesus. Just be gone from me. It says, be banishment with all malice, with spite, ill will, or basis of any kind. Now, another verse, and it's the, then verse 32 says, and become useful. God used to always have me stop right there. He said, you're not even going to be useful, to, really useful to me until you get rid of this. And become useful, helpful, kind to one another, tender-hearted, compassionate. See, this is who he is to us. He's kind, helpful, tender-hearted, compassionate, understanding, Loving hearted, forgiving one another readily and freely as God in Christ forgave you. Therefore, verse 5, chapter 5, be an imitator of God. Copy him, follow example as well-beloved children, and walk in love. Esteeming, delighting in one another as Christ loved us, gave himself so and so. Well, we're to forgive like he forgave us. And let me really try to boogie through these because it's already... I haven't even gotten near. This is all my introduction. Really messed up. Psalm 103.12. Don't even try to put these up, favorite Brown. Hallelujah. It's too quick. Psalm 103.12. This is how he forgave us. Remember, as far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgression from us. Jeremiah 33.8. And I will cleanse them from all their iniquity, whereby they have sinned against me. I will pardon 
all their iniquities whereby they have sinned and whereby they have transgressed against me. Micah 7, 19, he will turn again. He will have compassion upon us. He will subdue our iniquities and he will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. Isaiah 43, 25 is always a heavy one. I, even I, am he that blotteth out thy transgression, these next four words, for mine own sake. That's heavy. God said, I'm going to forgive absolutely everything, not for your sake, for my sake. You know why? Because you're made in his image and you're going to be God in this world. Every one of you are little Christs. You're Christian. It means little anointed ones. So he said, I'm going to blot out and forgive all your transgressions because I'm going to show the world I live through you. That's the plan. It's never changed. Do you think the devil, our arch enemy, doesn't understand, therefore, how important it is to him to do everything he can to cause us to get easily offended, to be in strife, hold on to unforgiveness? And always the question, but you don't know what they did to me. And I always tell people, you don't know what Christ did for you. If that's what your statement is, listen, I've had hellish things taking place in my life. I'm sure many of you have had hellish things taking place. No light matter, big stuff. I mean, big stuff. I've had big stuff happen in my life. You know what I mean? That I had murder in my heart because of it. But you know what? No, you just make, you just... Suddenly, I suddenly hit you like it hit me once and when this happened with me, where suddenly you just realize it's too late. I am not going the way of the world ever again. I'm not perfect. I'll never be perfect on this side of heaven, but bless God, I am determined. I am going in Jesus' name to stay free from any kind of ill will, resentment, bitterness, angst, animosity. I'm no. And what happens when you study is, of course, you become ultra aware of when you do mess up. And actually, it's really funny. When I used to actually teach the Love Walk at Bible schools and what have you, I used to tell them in advance. I said, we're going to launch into something called the Love Walk for several weeks. I said, but I want to tell you in advance, Mark 4 is true. When the word comes, Satan comes immediately. And I said, if there's ever a message, because God, remember, doesn't have love. He is love. If there's ever a message that hell does not want us to get close to, it's the message of God's love in us, God's love through us, God's love for us. He doesn't want that, man. So, I mean, this is why when I say, when, you know, Satan comes, whatever the message, if you teach on healing, suddenly people can start getting sick. You teach on finances, real strong people, stuff breaks, blows. It's, it, the Bible is so true, so real. It's, it's funny. I mean, if you really look back. But anyway, you begin to teach on the strength and the need for forgiveness and love. Probably even today, some of you walk out of here, if the husband's wise, you'll get in the car. And all of a sudden, something, you'll say, no, 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 no. And the next person will go, what do you mean by that? <laughs> right? And that's how it happens. It's just that quick. And something that wouldn't mean anything. At all, because that spirit, that spirit of division, no, 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 don't let them get close. Do everything you can. Keep them as distance from the Holy Ghost as we can. The easiest way to do that is to cause them to be easily offended, easily irritated, easily bugged, whatever word you want to use. Na, 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 na. 
No. Become more aware of him. See, when, when everything bothers you that much, it's your flesh. That's not heavenly. Heaven doesn't get bothered by that. Heaven's already won. Light dispels darkness. Why add more darkness to the darkness that just came at you? Or what if it wasn't even darkness that came at you? What if you just perceived it as darkness, which a lot of people do? A lot of people, they're just, they expect rejection. They, you know, and what you expect, you attract. And, and a lot of people, man, they, I've, over the years, the people have counseled. I mean, you can just, some people, it's just in them. They expect, I mean, no matter what you say, they'll take it wrong. And it's just, you know, you look really beautiful today. What do you mean by that? No. <laughs> you know, you did an incredible job on this, on this art piece of art. You don't mean that. Okay, what do they do wrong? I mean, they just have this thing, man. And they are tough to minister to. But the servant of the Lord must be patient, kind. What? That's what it is. Instructing those who oppose themselves that peradventure they might recover themselves. It says from the snare of the devil. It's a snare of the devil to be that easily offended that easily irritated. But see, there's no one in here, say the least me included, that doesn't get tested and tempted with this. So don't get bugged. Don't be offended that you have the opportunity to be offended. <laughs> Just become aware and say no. And you start exercising this muscle. No, I'm not, I'm not going to get disturbed. You know, so many people, like you've heard this, said, man, I pray that God gives me a job where everybody's a Christian. I'm so tired of being in this job where nobody else is a believer. It's horrible. God delivered me from all this. You know, Doug, it, you're the salt. You're the one that's caused, you're maybe the only real light in the joint. You know what I mean? So, you didn't, so just say, Father, use me. And just, like I said, be that light. Be that light. I mean, because if you got that attitude, I guarantee you, if you've got a job around Christians, you're still going to be upset every five minutes because you're carrying something with you. It's in your character. It's in your nature to be easily offended. If we sincerely want the strength of the presence of God more and more, like I said, please brush your teeth every day. Let's make sure we just say no to this crud. But I love Isaiah 43, 25, but I, even I am he that blotteth out thy transit for mine own sake. And he says, I will not remember thy sins. And I wrote this all these years ago. I said, one of the most glorious attributes of the father's character is that he has chosen. It's not that he couldn't, but he's chosen to forget our sins. Jesus said in this life, we would suffer persecution, false accusation, and much more. But we are not to rail back, but we're, learn, we're to learn to overcome evil with good. Romans 12, 21. Do not let yourself be overcome with evil. And I wrote this all those years ago. God's plan is that we torment the devil. You know, you can torment the devil by forgiving. Drives him nuts. By being kind when somebody else is hurtful. Drives the devil nuts. I'm serious. It actually affects him. It causes havoc in the realm of darkness when we walk in light. 
when everybody, when nobody wants to walk in light, but we choose God's path. That, you see, when I began to see that picture, I got a little excited because of the, maybe it's my weird sense of humor. I get to torment the devil. Now, flesh, I know you want to rail back. I know you want to get angry and join into this thing and let it become strife. I'm not going to do it. And I began to get this mental picture of the devil going, ah, ah, he's walking in love. He's not going to be upset. He's not, nah. And they just flip out. And I used to get that picture and that's, it helped me. I said, whatever works for you. But I began to see, I can actually torment all those dumb devils. You know, I think I'm going to have to teach on demonology at some point, simply because people don't, even the moment you mention the word demon, Father, help me not to get caught up right now in this. But when you mention the word demon, people go, mm, they think of whatever. Listen, demons are everywhere in the New Testament. Jesus, I mean, they were everywhere, everywhere. I mean, it was just everywhere he went, he was casting out devils because they're everywhere. You see, we think we're, they're not those movies. They're not the things that you've seen in those dumb movies. <laughs> no. A devil is that thing that says, get mad. That's a devil. That is a devil. Cast him out. Say no to the devil. I'm serious. That's the devil. See, because God, the, everything's spirit. It's either you're either listening to God's spirit, your spirit, or devil's spirit, but you're supposed to have your spirit filled with his spirit. When something comes like that, recognize that's 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 the devil. Don't don't think demon. Don't see. Remember, don't give him that much credit. You do not give the devil that much credit. The world, movies, film has made darkness to be gigantic and scary and whatever. And we, like I said, you, good is more powerful than evil. You have to really begin to believe it. Good is far more powerful than evil. So you just say, no, 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 no. And just see the devil freak out. You know, submit yourself to God. All you, that's submitting yourself to God. When you say, no, I'm submitting to God. And what's it say? Resist. Then you resist the devil and the devil will flee from you. Run and be scary. Be scared. I got to stop. This is crazy. I didn't get to any of the verses I wanted to get to. You know what? I'm going to stop here. Let me just read this. And let me read Romans 12, 21 again. It says, do not let yourself be overcome. Don't let. Do not let that thing conquer you. Do not let yourself be overcome with evil, but overcome and master evil. Master. You master evil with good. See, please exercise your faith in this. Good is more powerful. I said good is more powerful. The devil's biggest lie is that, you know, he doesn't exist. And the second biggest lie is that he's got this incredible, incredible might and power. Remember, he was stripped. He still has power, but remember, he was stripped of all authority. Jesus Christ dealt him, the scripture says, cast category, he dealt Satan a paralyzing blow. I love that picture. Satan has been paralyzed, paralyzed by the cross of Jesus Christ. And it's like if somebody, I used to give this illustration when I teach the love. Let's say somebody's here in a wheelchair and the guy starts yelling at you. The guy's in a wheelchair and starts yelling. And the dude's big, but he's in a wheelchair. Big, but he's in a wheelchair. And he starts screaming at you. I'm going to kick your butt. I'm going to break your arms. I'm going to crush you. I'm going to rock. And you know, and the guy's yelling, and you're looking at him, and you realize the dude's big, you know, whatever. He probably could, but, but I mean, and then suddenly it hits you. 
He can't get up. He can't get up. The dude's paralyzed. All he can do is yell, scream, suggest, try to put fear in you by telling you what he's going to do. But he can't do it because he's been defeated. He's in the chair. He's been paralyzed. Now, either that's the scripture or it isn't. But it is the scripture. That's what Jesus Christ did to Satan himself in the pit of hell itself. He hurled back principalities and powers, made an open show of them, triumphing over them openly in the very pit of hell. He defeated Satan and all his dominions. That's, that's the gospel news. Hello? That's still the gospel news. So the only power he has is speech. But, and again, I don't care who you read, like Bill Johnson's books, all, there's not one book he's ever written that doesn't say this. The only actual power that Satan has is what happens when you enter into agreement with something he suggests or what he says. Agreement creates power. Agreement is the place of power. Don't agree with what the liar says. You don't understand I had to do this. No, you didn't. You just chose, actually, you chose to obey a demon. But like I said, we've got to get our vision changed from devils. We think of these gigantic whatever. Okay, so I'm sorry. I am finishing. Do not let yourself, well, okay, let me, one, one of the most glorious attributes of the Father's character is that he's chosen to forget our sins. Now, we're to forgive like he forgives. And this is the one that's tough. You have to give yourself the benefit of the doubt that if God's love is in you, you can actually forget the pain. You can, I mean, I wrote this down. God's forgiveness is the supernatural ability to totally eradicate from your consciousness any thought or memory of an incident. It's supernatural. But he can. They've even proven, I think I mentioned this here before, and uh, from Marilyn Hickey's ministry, these people that did all that stuff at that giant hospital thing back there outside of Denver, you know, the human brain, actually the physiology, what it looks like, that as people, as your mind is more and more renewed to the Word of God, you know how little creases, there's little creases in the brain and all this stuff, neurological patterns and pathways and stuff, that when people, people that have been in the Word a long time, those old path, those actual little canyons they call them nerve canyons those little canyons get smoothed out they don't exist they actually cease to exist god's word can physically change your brain you that's dr caroline field is it leaf yeah that does all the teaching she talks about that too god's word has the power to actually physically change the modality of your brain man because that god's word is that powerful god's forgiveness is the supernatural ability to totally eradicate from your consciousness any thought or memory of an incident. Hallelujah. Like I said, I got a lot of stuff here. You know what? I think I will speak one more week on this. But right now, let me just finish by saying we want the manifest presence of God. Actually, let me read one more passage. Go to Psalm 81 real quickly, if you don't mind me doing this. And uh, this is, to me, one of the most incredible passages. Psalm 81, starting at verse 10 in the Amplified. Okay, then you can all go home and have steak. Amen? David's buying for everybody, right, Dave? You're buying steak? Cool. Can you barbecue, Dave? You any good, you any good at it? Eh, eh, I figure. 
Psalm 81, 10. Now listen all the way through the end of the chapter to the verse 16. But listen, really, really listen to what God says. I mean, this is profound. You could teach on this for a month. I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. I love this. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. Now I tell you, like often like I've shared before, when I read through the Bible, I stop and I pray different scriptures. And I mean, just like something like this. I mean, I, just, I remember even when I looked at this yesterday, the day before, I just, I, I, I'm going to open my mouth wide. Father, I open my mouth, my mouth wide and I ask you to fill it. Pray that. Would you just see fine scripture? Just pray that. It ain't going to do you no harm, I guarantee you. He said in verse 11, but my people would not hearken to my voice. Now I'm praying that you will hearken to the voice of the Lord as regards forgiveness. You hear me? Getting rid of ill will. I don't care what anybody did. It's not worth distancing yourself from the presence of God. But my people would not hearken to my voice. Israel would have none of me. Verse 12, what? So I gave them up to their own hearts. Lest I let them go after their own stubborn will that they might follow their own counsel. Do you understand? God will not force his way. If you insist on being, on holding on to anger, he'll let you do it. You hear me? So I gave them up to their own hearts, lest let them go after their own stubborn will that they might follow their own counsels. Verse 13, oh, and it's like a cry that my people would listen to me, that Israel, that CCF would really walk in my ways if they'd learn to forgive. Now then look at the verse. Look what he said I'll do. Verse 14, what's it say? 14, you got it out there? Speedily. Speedily then, I would subdue their enemies. I'd turn my hand against their adversaries. Look at verse 15. This is heavy, verse 15. You need to pray and study this for about a month. Had Israel listened to me when they were in Egypt, then those who hated the Lord would have come cringing before him and their defeat would have lasted forever. He's talking, can you imagine how profound? He said, when they were in Israel, in Egypt, going through all this stuff, if they would have listened to me then, he said, brother, he said, your enemies would have come all crawling on their faces before you and their defeat, in other words, they would never be able to harm you again if they would have listened. I'm asking you, listen to this truth about forgiveness. I said, listen to it. Don't just think you've heard it before. And you know all about it. You don't. But then why, God? What, what's God's will on us? What does he hope to do? Look at the last verse, verse 16. What's it say? God would feed CCF now with the finest of the wheat and with honey out of the rock would I satisfy you. That, I love that. It's an, in other words, he says, man, I, this is what I want to do. I want to do this. I want to give you the finest of the wheat, not just a little old crust, not a bit of old stale bread. I want to give you, please, he said, hear me. I'm trying to get this to you. The salvation is near. All the stuff you long to happen is here. As long as you see it, your want is from my perspective, not from your fleshly perspective. 
God, I will feed you folks with the finest of the wheat and with even honey out of the rock I'd satisfy. In other words, that speaks to bringing you absolutely sweet life out of the hardest places. Well, so Father, I pray this morning that you would again, please, please help our people here. I want us to grow and grow and grow and make more and more space so that what I read in Psalm 85 will be tangible here, that we'll create space for the manifest presence, the manifested presence of the Holy Spirit. Please, don't you want that? I don't, like I've always said, I don't want to be just another church where just a bunch of people, I don't want to be mediocre. I, God paid for something huge. I want everything he paid for. I want what he's paid for. It's, it's He paid for it. If, to not take advantage of it is like slapping heaven in the face. Think about it from his perspective. I have paid for this. Please take advantage of it. I've paid for it. I've done this for you. It's a gift. Just walk here and you discover it. Just walk like this. Forgive. Give up resentment. Let go of ill will. Believe the best. Quit messing around with stuff that's so petty. My, why waste your energy and your time? Father, I just give you thanks that every single one of us We'll take this to heart because we want your, we want you to have such, we don't want any obstacles. We don't want any hindrances to the manifestation of your great grace and your great glory. I want what you want. I want what you want. And I said before, and I said, I pray everybody here will say it. I am determined to set a watch before my mouth. I'm telling you, I am determined to speak blessing. I'll slip up, I'm sure, at times, but bless God, I want to be lightning fast to repent. But I am determined, Father. I want to keep your covenant in my mouth. I want to reverence your truth. I want to reverence your way. I want to walk in your way. Because I still believe that Jesus didn't lie when he said the reason he came was that we might have life abundantly, not a little bit. You paid a, a heck of a price, but you paid it so that we could walk in abundance of life, that we could be life changers, actually world changers, because we carry your influence with us. So, Father, help us to let your light shine. Help us to absolutely be people who repel darkness everywhere we go. Literally, I mean repel it. Just have them walk with this attitude. Have them begin to sense, here I am. I'm going to walk in wherever I walk. When I walk into my job tomorrow, darkness is going to flee from me because of who I carry. When I walk into that school, when I walk into that bank, when I walk into that grocery store, I'm telling you, I've got this like a magnetic field coming out of me, this repelling darkness because I'm carrying the glory of God. Uh, it's not be based on my behavior, as I always say. It's based on Christ in me. Christ is in me. Christ is in me. I may not understand it. can't figure it all out yet on this side of heaven, but I believe your word. I've got faith in what you said has happened. I've got the glory of God residing in me. 
and that glory destroys darkness. I am a darkness destroyer. That's who I am. Just say that once. Say that a couple times. I'm a darkness destroyer. I destroy darkness. Every close your eyes tight. Say that. I destroy darkness everywhere I go. No darkness can stand before me. The light of the God of all creation is within me. Hallelujah. Father, let us accept it. It's the truth. I'm not going to live according to a lie. We believe you've really enjoyed this message. For further information, visit www.commonwealthchurch.org and feel free to join us on any Sunday 